Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by OCR and endurance coach, Rich Ryan. Rich and I had a great conversation with what might be considered an outside the box way of thinking when it comes to training and choosing what races to train for. And then we also did dive into his OCR collaboration group that he has created to really get a good understanding of the what and why behind that. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Rich, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm great, Brand. Thanks for having me. You're quite welcome. I'm excited to have you on here. I've listened to a number of your podcasts and you get some great guests on for one, but I just love some of your story that you've dived into and some of them, if dived is a word. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited to get you on here to talk about that, talk about your coaching, talk about your collab group. So let's kind of just dive in. First and foremost, who are you? So yeah, my name is Rich Ryan. I am an endurance coach, mostly in the OCR space. So coaching people who you know, really want to maximize their potential in the sport. They, they, a lot of times it's someone who may have been, come from a different sport and they're still trying to see what their potential is as an athlete and they just want to get the most out of it. So that's really where I'm kind of specialized in now is helping out athletes who want to get faster and want to compete at a higher level. Awesome. I love that you work with some of those people who come from other sports just because I know with your background, you, you your background similar to mine where you kind of like, melded the running and the CrossFit and everything. So um, I want you to dive a little bit into like your story, essentially, of how you got into OCR in the first place. For sure. And yeah, I think that I, I'm definitely fortunate to have had the two kind of blend together before kind of getting into things, because I feel like I have a wider scope of training. A lot of people have come from like the endurance just specific endurance background. They see it from very, from very much that angle. You know, and I mean, we can only speak to the experience that we have and, and really where we're like the work that we've done. But, and I know I was like this even before I knew a lot more about strength training is that like, okay, if you want to get better at running, you, you need to be a runner and you need to run, but there's so much more you can learn from, from, from even just to about training for endurance athletes that is outside of that scope. So I got into OCR, I think my first race was actually in 2000 and 13. So it was a stadium race in uh, Philadelphia here at Citizens Bank Park. It kind of came onto my radar probably around like 2010, 2011, but I hadn't done a race until 2013. And when I did that race, I was like deep into CrossFit. Like that was what I was, how I was training like every day. I was running a little bit here or there and I wasn't quite ready to commit fully to OCR. So I did that race in 2013 and then didn't really revisit uh, OCR until 2016 until and that's kind of where I am now is just fully committed to it. And during that time, I was really deep into the strength training stuff. I was certified to be a CrossFit level one coach and was training there and, and, um, doing some coaching in the CrossFit space. And I just knew when I saw obstacle racing, I was like, okay, that's something where I feel like I can really sink my teeth into it. I just need to really jump in and commit. So I think that was also a little bit about because in CrossFit, I may brand, you can speak to this as well. Like to really go in on CrossFit, you have to 
like really go in on it. You know, you can't like half do it. The people are so strong and they're so skilled and there's so much time that people can really sink into CrossFit because the modalities are so expansive that, you know, you could train legitimately for like eight hours a day. And I really wasn't doing that. Right. I was like, kind of like, I was like kind of running and like training a lot for CrossFit, but like not really to the point where I was really going to get better because I think the OCR thing was still on my mind. I was like, okay, I still need to be good at running to some respect uh, because eventually this is where I want to end up being. Um, so yeah, then eventually I just kind of ended up in, uh, OCR in 2016 and just kind of got my butt kicked. My story is not too much different than a lot of people's from obstacle racing. Your first race goes terrible and then you either stick it out or you bail. So I actually, <laughs> I stuck it out luckily for myself. So I've been doing it pretty much every year since about 2016. What was the reason for that three-year gap between the first race and then deciding to go all in? Uh, I think there's a variety of factors. Like I think shortly after that, I started to just do CrossFit. I was like, okay, I'm kind of doing both and not really doing either that well, like doing running a little bit, doing um, CrossFit a lot, but not really committing to anything. And then I think I took a year off of running to just do CrossFit. And just to see, you know, even by that point, like the games level competitors were just unreal, you know, like, and the, the regional, and they're kind of bringing regionals back, but what was regionals then? Even those athletes were just it was mind blowing how good they are at, 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 yeah. at everything. They're so strong and their, and their, their engine is so big, but I still was just wanted to kind of see where I could go and see what I could do, how much I could learn, like really kind of dive into it. And then I really didn't understand the culture of obstacle, obstacle racing when it comes to like travel and like going to the races. So I kind of just waited for races to come to me, like how I would for, like my background, my, my real background is more in, in like road racing. I ran track and cross country in high school and in college. And those races kind of come to you. There'll be like different races that pop up within the area year over year. And there's still, there's enough of them because they're not just like one company that puts on all the races. So then, you know, you can have like a race a month, a race every other week, if you really wanted to. Um, but OCR is really not like that. You, you kind of have to go out of your way to really dive into it and go in and, and travel. So I don't think I quite understood that until probably 2017, 2018, where I was like, oh, okay, I really might have to go and travel around. Um, do you travel around to the races a lot? Will you go out of your way to... I, I don't much, which is why I don't travel. Well, I guess last year's out of the question anyway. Right. But, <laughs> um, I don't travel a ton, which is why I don't race a lot either. Um, just because Arizona just has a couple. And so if I want to go anywhere, it's, it's traveling. Yeah, and it's... It there's like, it's so much. And like, also from the running, from my running background, it was like, you'd peak for one race a season, more or less. Right. So mm -hmm. racing often isn't really an advantage when it comes to high level endurance training and, 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 uh, athletics just in general, but OCR is different because you, there is something to be said about the experience of being at an event and getting on the obstacles and learning all the ins and outs and so much can go wrong that it's more than just about like your, your peak physical preparedness, like it would be for like a 5k on a track, you know, where you can do more harm than good while racing more often in OCR. It's, it's, it's just different. You just need more reps. I felt, I felt like, um, so that's probably why the gap really was in there. I just didn't quite, it didn't click to me that that's what I needed to do. Yeah. And it's tough too with OCR because like you said, it, there are so many races. So it really is like having to figure out which ones, 
you really want to do good at and train for and which ones are just going to be like your training races. And I, it, I think it's a, it seems to be a mindset of a lot of people that it's just like, let's just go race every weekend and go all out. And ultimately that's not the best method. It's not, again, it's not in, in terms of how to develop your energy systems and how to conserve them and be there in the right spot so that your, your performance is optimal at the right time. But what I'm kind of coming around to more and more is that like obstacle course racing just isn't about optimization. Like there's so much, there's so many elements and there's so much that can, that can go wrong that even if you are at peak like shape, like physical shape, ready to do like your best fitness of all time, like you go out there and not know how to do the race and someone with more experience who's less fit than you will beat you. And so like the traditional idea of, you know, block periodization and, and kind of building up to a specific race and having everything in line for that one race, like the principles can still apply to it, but like, just like the application for how the season is laid out and what you really need to get better at the racing, it doesn't really lend itself to it. So it's kind of a funny place. And, and it's what I've been thinking about a lot in terms of like how to develop my own season and how to develop the seasons of the athletes that I'm coaching. It's like, where, what is an appropriate amount to race and what is what's doing more harm, what's doing good. And, and those lines are really blurry or even in, in CrossFit, like, you know, it's the open and then it's um, semifinals now. And then whatever's after that. Uh, <laughs> let's see. No, so it's quarterfinal, quarterfinals, then quarterfinals, semifinals. then semifinals. And then like the games, right? Okay. So like you, there's at least some sort of like cadence to kind of peak up to, and you're going to kind of know what the workouts are for each of those different events. Where an OCR is just like, there's a beast here and a super the next weekend somewhere around and there's a high rocks or a decafit or whatever. And like all these different things that are spread, so, spread out so much that it's just becoming hard to figure out like what makes the most sense for, for training. Yeah. And I think that might be a good segue into kind of something that we talked about on the phone and that both of us are kind of working on right now. And that's really like figuring out, like, is there a best race type for you? Like, do you need to be doing all these trifectas and all of these different types of races? Or like, do you prefer this one? And then like, could we just focus on that? Right. And that really kind of boils down to like being true to the goals that you are setting and, and having it done in a way that is like honest, you know, like I'll speak for myself on this is that like, okay, I did the U S national series because that's what I thought I needed to do to do the best that I could. Cause it's just, that's what we're all the best athletes were. I was like, okay, if I want to be one of the best athletes in the sport, I need to go race them every single weekend. And a lot of them are just like, I, I didn't love traveling that much for racing. I really, I don't love, like, I like running in the mountains. I don't necessarily love racing in the mountains. Um, and like these altitude races that are just really hard to prepare for, for me. And I, I don't get that excited about them. I'm just going to kind of survive them. You know, it's like, okay, if I can get through this and I don't really know what's going to happen, uh, I'm just not as prepared as I could possibly be for this. And after that, it was just, it, I kind of had to sit and reflect on like, was that that fun for me? And this sport in general, it is like a lot about fun and a lot of people who kind of come from these outdoor races or like outdoor trail running or something like that. That's, that's not my background. You know, I'm a gym rat. I'm like you, I like to be in the, I like to be there. Like I like have no, the most fun after like an awesome workout in the gym and those don't translate. So it's like looking at that and seeing like, how do I like to train? What makes me happy to compete? And then even if I would be better at a different race, 
like if that race isn't making me as happy as say something like a deca fit like then everything needs to skew toward the thing that is going to make me the most happy the most fulfilled like in my own type of training um and yeah you've been going through this journey a little bit too right i have as well for me it's more just because i like i love trails i love running like in the mountains and that sort of thing but i'm like i really dislike water obstacles like I love being, I love my paddleboard. I love being on the water where I'm like, I don't like being in the water. <laughs> like, so, is it a submersion thing or what it like? It just really like, is. Like, gross? It's just more of a submersion thing. Yeah. Like it has nothing to do with like, like fear of like bacteria or anything like that. But for whatever reason, like I just prefer to be like on the water versus in. <laughs> so, and that's fair. Like, so I'm not a huge fan of water obstacles, um, but I was kind of like, well, it's part of OCR. So you just do it. Um, but yeah, as I've gotten more into it, it's like, you know what? There's a reason these stadium races exist and high rocks exist. And they're more suited for like you and I both for the CrossFit training that we do that it's like, why not just focus on that direction? And the races in the mountains, they're not even, they, they're trail races, you know, they're yeah. for trail runners and they're for people who like to run in the mountains. And that's what those races are, are really skewed toward that type of skill set. And it's like, if you or I, we don't like spending our time there as much as we like to do in the gym. It's like, then what, and, and if we want to get in it to be as competitive as possible, like it just doesn't all equal out, Yeah, you know? So trying to figure out where that, where that best place is, um, is, is it's hard because oh, what I was thinking was that it almost is like the culture in it, at least from what I found from my angle is like, Oh, the mountain races are cool. The mountain running is cooler than like the flat running. Like if you do well in a flat race, doesn't mean anything because the championship races are going to be in the mountains or whatever. It's like, I guess. And it's kind of like looked down upon to be like, uh, not a mountain runner. It's like, Oh, if you're good on flats, but not in the mountains, like you're never really going to be that good in the sport. And it's like, I suppose, but I think of it like the opposite way. It's like, okay, if you can't like lift and you can't like do a bunch of things, you can't like do like athletic movements, like and you just can like run through the trails. It's like, but the culture is very much skewed toward the outdoor and the mountain stuff now. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how things kind of progress with these new races. What is, what is your take on uh, Spartan cross? Have you seen that? I haven't looked too much into it, but I do know of it. I don't think there's, I don't think they would have a water obstacle in that. I'm not sure. Cause COVID stuff, there's no water anywhere now. And then that's part of it too, is really is no water right now for at least for a little bit mm -hmm. longer. Yeah. But that seems like it's going to be a lot more, there's like, you know, three loops of just going through all the obstacles, Yeah, um, which is exciting, but I still like the idea of like a high rocks better. Like I do too. Like the, the more strength and CrossFit elements just intrigue me more. Totally. And then like, yeah, we get to do back squats and deadlifts and like justify it. Be like, you know what? <laughs> right because this is going to be in the race, I get to do it. Well, if you're doing it, you're in the gym that much when you should be like running on trails, like, I don't know. So I, I so we're trying to figure out like what is going to speak most to you. Um, and actually a guy who I work with in uh, like an athlete capacity and also kind of in a professional capacity, he, his name's Tim Sylvester. He's been on, on my podcast a couple of times and he speaks about finding your effing cool is what he calls it. And like looking back into like what you thought was the coolest thing or if, what you thought uh, if you were an outsider looking in and what that thing is and identifying that thing. And that's what your aspiration is to be what, like what you think is really cool. 
Um, and I found that to be a really helpful practice um, just because, and like basically it boiled down when I was kind of going through it with myself. He's like, well, what do you think is cooler? Like someone who can rip a mile or a 5k as fast as possible, or someone who can do like a, a trail marathon. And for me, it's a, it's a, it's a 5k. It's like, and it's a mile. I think that's absurd what people can do. And on the trail, it's just like a little bit less tangible for me. So, and then it just kind of became clear. It's like, oh, that's who, that's my aspiration is to kind of put it in that red line and go as hard as I possibly can for mm -hmm. as long as I possibly can, not necessarily like enduring as, as much as possible. Um, so do you, have you ever thought about anything like that? Not using those terms specifically, but, um, but I have done a lot of thinking, especially the past couple of years, you know, I, well, last year gave us a lot of time to think and yeah. reflect on life. <laughs> Um, and I've just started kind of working on shifting to, it's like doing, not that I don't do those things I don't want to do that are like necessary in life, but really finding those things as like, I'm truly passionate about and like highly skilled at, and how can I like then do the things in my life that help like, um, that coordinate with that really well. And so, yeah, I really, I like the way you put it though, as far as you did, but, um, like I just had a competition this past weekend and because of where I excel at, like I was super excited about the like cardio sprint workout, but also super excited about the barbell workout because I love barbell cycling. Um, so it is really like, yeah, finding those things that I absolutely love doing, which is the strength aspect, the barbell cycling and the like short cardio bursts and making those all happen in, in training yeah. and competition. <laughs> And why do you think that is? What do you think you like about those things? They're, they're fun and challenging. Like for me, they're fun and challenging. Um, especially like the barbell work is something that I actually, both of them, they're, they're things I wasn't great at before. And that I've really worked to become really good at. Um, so I think that's a lot of it is it's, it's stuff that I didn't, wasn't necessarily great at in the beginning and then have like learned how to excel at. Mm. And are you like a technician? Do you like the technique part? Do you like to like tie that? Like, Oh yes. Right. Yeah. Like with the PT <laughs> background, you probably want to know how everything works. Right. And like yes. how you can tighten the screws a little bit more to really kind of optimize things. Right. And like make it as, as good as possible. So like, whereas like, you know, like a OCI, like a water event, like there's nothing, there's nothing just you can go. figure out about that. <laughs> just <go>. yeah. You <laughs> just dive in and come out and like, get a picture taken with on other dunk wall. And like, that's the, the whole thing. There's nothing to think about. There's nothing to like sink your teeth into yeah. or something like that. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's why I avoided like, well, I avoid tough mutter because I refuse to be electrocuted, but, um, <laughs> there's so much water in tough mutter. It is and there's a lot of water, nothing but, but water. Um, like that's my, and now you said it that way. That's, that's very much of how I view things is like, I would, I prefer the things that require skill versus just like, doing. Yeah. Right. And that's, what's kind of been exciting about, I wonder if you, are, are you now remind me, have you done a high rocks or a deca fit at this point? I've been canceled twice on high rocks. <laughs> oh, right. We're both going to do the LA one. Right. Right. And then um, I've been injured since last, I was injured last summer. So then when deca fit came out, I couldn't do anything. Okay. Um, and yeah, just training for that. It's been interesting because those are still pretty low skill movements for the most part, mm -hmm. you know, there, but there, there is still nuance there where like, if you're on a rower, right, there's definitely a proper technique and things you can really come kind of dive into and, and optimize as much as possible. Like the skier, the same way. And just like mm -hmm. how to get the reps the right way. And I've even been, been doing that with the sled push is like trying to figure out like 
what is the best way for me and my body type to push this? And like thinking about the angles and how my hips need to be and how far mm -hmm. my hips and my knees can go and like how to really like breathe in a specific way. So there's definitely, it's not just a flat out work rate activity um, where it might look that way. It might just look like, oh, you just get as fit as possible and go through it. There's little things where you can kind of go through it. So it's actually been kind of fun to like, try to figure out the best way to do all these things. Yeah. And that's what I love doing as a coach is really like fine tuning that, like how do you generate more power without using more energy? And there's so many nuances to it. And it's fascinating to me. Totally. And that's what, speaking of that, like being on the coaching end, I really like being in the weight room to like learn and figure out these things, like teaching someone how to run downhill it's just like reps. Like you got to get there and, and, and like do reps and like, we'll talk about maybe some of the mental barriers that might be in that way or, or whatever it is, but there's so much, it's hard to transfer skill, you yeah. know? So it's hard to really speak to that as opposed to just giving somebody like do three by three minutes downhill as like at 90% effort. Right. And they'll just get better, but like, you can't like drill it as much as you could for something like, I don't know, like a rope climb you know, something like that or something like a, uh, like a skier or a regular row where there are things that, that can really be dissected and broken apart. And that's why I, I really like the weight room for that too. And things will transfer over like at all, like all the movements, they go across the board for like any type of athletic endeavor. I'm sure like, I'm sure, you know, and you speak about on this podcast, but like being able to really spend time there and spend time with it, I think it helps a lot to like see the broader view of things. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely does. And, and, you know, I've definitely become a better coach as I've become a better athlete too, is, you know, working with different coaches, you learn different cues, you learn your body better, and then you really learn how to translate that to helping someone else too. Let's take a quick break now to talk about OS first compression and bracing. It is commonly known that compression helps with circulation. We see that medically decreasing your risk of blood clots. We see that on flights using compression to decrease swelling. And even with racing, a lot of times we'll see it with decreasing or improving our circulation there as well. What you might not know though is we actually decrease the fatigue in our feet and legs when we use compression while training. Why is this? The added compression actually helps the muscles fire faster and better. So that means all those little small muscles in your foot and lower leg don't have to work quite as hard when you do every single thing you do. Long term, it means you get to perform better for longer. So check out OS First Compression for yourself. Test it out. See if you get those amazing benefits that I notice for myself. You can head over to osfirst.com to check out all of their amazing products. And if you use code GETYOURFIX at checkout, you can save 15%. You can also head over to getyourfixpt.com slash partners, get a direct link to OS First, as well as see all the other partners that I have some discounts for. And now let's get back to the conversation. Totally. That's how I kind of justify training so much. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm well, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of working right now. It's like, I, I, I literally do. I was like, if I can train and learn more, then I could be a better coach. And if I'm a better coach, I can be like a better provider. It's like this whole big thing that I've skewed in 
basically just because I like to spend a lot of time at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. Well, man, um, like, well, I film myself a lot when I lift partially for like putting on social media for business purposes, but like, it's so helpful because you think your body's doing one thing and then you realize your body's doing something completely different. It's crazy. It's crazy how that works. And like, you look at it like, oh, sometimes I'll do that with the idea of like posting something. I'm like, I can't post this. This is trash. This <laughs> right? doesn't look like, like anything I thought it would. And there's a, a sense of accountability there is, um, as like douchey as it does kind of look sometimes. How do you, because uh, that was a barrier for me for a little bit. I was actually recording myself. Did you ever have that? Like bumping, like, oh, I don't want, I just don't want to like break out my phone and like record myself doing this because I feel stupid. I felt weird about it for a while, but then I was just like, screw it. Like, yeah. I don't care. Everyone else knows that why I'm doing it. So whatever. And then the, when there's purpose behind it, right? Like yeah. it, it's, I got a GoPro recently and that's been sweet because it doesn't like, it, I mean, it's obviously a camera, but it's not like your phone, you know? Yeah. I don't know why it's the same thing, but it makes me feel better about having it out there. I had a friend, a uh, guy I used to train with uh, a couple of years ago. He used a GoPro all the time to film his. And so I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, before we dive into the collab, I'm curious, since you work with a lot of like people coming into the sport to like just trying something new, what do you see like common mistakes prior to them coming to work with you, common mistakes that they're making, whether it's with their training or their racing or kind of if there are already common ones? Yeah. And, and do you want to talk OCR specifically? Uh, or road racing or just, one. just, just either one. either one. Yeah. I mean like the typical one is, you know, running too fast too often, you know, just kind of trying to burn it down every time, like trying to run fast to get fast. I mean, that's one that's, it's not an easy conversation to kind of really get through, but it's one that needs to happen is making sure that you're spending your hard days hard and your easy days easy. Um, and one thing that is really, um, that has really helped in terms of the performance that the athletes I'm coaching have been, have been getting is, is more on the mental, the, the mindset side of things, like the physical side, you know, there's a ton of ways to do, to get fit. Right. And they, they all pretty much work. You know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, like th this is better than this. And like, you know, depending on how you lay things out and what, and like where it is in a season and, and like what the big scope and what your weaknesses are like, it's all going to kind of work to some point. If you do something consistently over time and like you use progressive overload and um, you're going to get better. It's just kind of how it works. But knowing like what it is that like why you're doing it more or less and like having a commitment that is like intrinsic to yourself and as opposed to uh, like an outcome based like that's really the conversation that happens most often is like it's like okay i want to get third i want to get the podium in my age group it's like okay great but like, what in, what will that give you outside of the, the, the podium finish besides like having your name on the podium or getting the medal, like what behind that? And like, like, how can we kind of tap into that and figuring that out? So like the outcome based thing, I think is a pretty damaging thing. And it's something I've definitely dealt with myself for a long time is like tying my self-worth to like some sort of outcome. Mm -hmm. Right. So like having, having that conversation and, and making sure that the, and, and sometimes people don't want to do it and like, they like don't necessarily want to open that up and that's fair. They just want to compete and that like, whatever you want to, whatever you're in this for is like the right reason, but 
having those outcome-based goals and being like truly honest with yourself about really why you're in it and is, is like the most helpful step, I think, for anyone to really kind of take on. Did you find yourself having more of those conversations last year when races were canceled? I mean, I was talking about it a lot <laughs> just because like, I mean, I was thinking about it a lot. I was thinking about it just in my own training is like, I would just be out like hammering, like absolutely killing myself. And I was like, what is, what am I doing at this point? Like, why, why do I want this right now? And just like the idea of like growth, it doesn't need to be based around an event. You know, mm -hmm. it's something you can always strive for and something that I, uh, that did make me really realize last year is like, okay, it doesn't necessarily need to be for any reason, but as long as there is this consistent effort, I think it translates across the board. I think it, and I think that that's something that is so awesome about endurance or any sport in general is like the effort that you put out isn't necessarily just for the specific outcome of an event, but it, it like can translate across everything that you're doing. So it gives, it gives me confidence in like, in my coaching, in my, in my like ability to be a partner and, and to be a better friend, just because it's putting in work and seeing it come back. So it's like, you can put in work there. You can put in work anywhere. Um, so yeah, I think that answers the question, but like, have you, <laughs> did you find the same kind of thing where you, where you having these conversations with yourself? And not myself, like I'm very internally motivated. And so it's like, once COVID hit, it was just like, all right, we're going to maintenance mode. Like, let's just keep training, working on my like improving strengths, working or uh, improving weaknesses, maintaining my strengths and just really go there. But I feel like that I had a lot of conversations with people who just lost motivation and it was all because like they trained a race and that was like, and, and like, they really struggled getting past like that mindset. And like searching for motivation to train is hard. It's like, it's fleeting, right? You can feel motivated, but you're never always going to be motivated. So if you're leaning on that one thing that kind of comes and goes, it's going to be a struggle. Um, so I found that too, in the beginning of COVID, a lot of the athletes kind of understood it's like, okay, more time is better when it comes to, to training and getting better at endurance. But yeah, I think by summertime late, like, I think like August, there was a pretty big wane in people's enthusiasm to train just because it didn't like, there was no end in sight by then. Right. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, the, 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 the idea of motivation definitely came up a lot because yeah. people did want to, um, yeah, they were just kind of like losing hope on it. And that's the, and like trying to figure out like, okay, how can we keep you internally motivated? Do you, do you have a process for that? Like where, because you said, is it just something naturally you do? Or are you kind of thinking about how to continue to like grind and continue to get improve? Yeah. So for me, it's natural. And it's really, so I've been going through a lot of like like finding, like really figuring out like what my, like not personality is, but like the internal mm. stuff of me. And, um, I was rereading through a strength finders test I did a while back. And like one of mine is achiever, which basically means like I need to achieve something every single day. So right. I think that's where a lot of it comes from. It's just like, I go crush my workout, or even if it's not crush my workout, like I at least did a workout. And so I wonder if like, that's where some of it comes from. Um, but then for me also, like, I want to be able to be independent. So I'm like, if I need to lift and carry a heavy box, like I don't need to ask someone for help. Like I can do a lot of this stuff on myself. So that's a big driver for me too, is like just maintaining my independence. So I don't need to ask like, or for help all the time.
Yeah. That's like a really zoomed out way to look at it. Right. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's cool to go to the gym and, you know, PR Helen or whatever, but like really like the, the overarching idea of like being healthy and independent, like that's, what's going to keep you going more than any CrossFit competition or yeah. whatever. Um, that's funny because you said that because I kind of did this something similar. I, I was in terms of like self, like self-development and self-discovery or whatever. I, I, I joined like this, uh, um, what I thought was like kind of like business coaching, but it turned out to be more just like a personal growth kind of club. <laughs> I don't even know how to, how to describe <laughs> it, but it was like a lot of work on those type of things. We did like the Enneagram test. I was actually just thinking about today, okay. which is something similar. You get a number, it's like one through nine. I've done that one before too. Yeah. Yeah. Where like number three is the achiever. That was like, uh, and I was number nine, which was like a peacemaker, which is something that I've had in the past where it's like, okay, like being more like people pleaser type tendencies. Mm-hmm. But like when I'm, I I move to an achiever in times of like growth. Um, So those things are kind of cool to like, just to like understand (laughs) like what is actually happening. Like the tests themselves. I mean, of course you're going to get the answers that come out because you're answering the questions. Like it shouldn't be anything that's like new information, but it's cool to kind of look at it at, at that big scope and be like, oh, that's, that's why I like to do this all the time. And that's the thing is like, they're helpful to figure out like, why like the why behind all the like just habitual things that you do or prefer and seeing it's a big scope right so seeing all the different numbers and seeing how everybody how other people kind of like think and behave it's like oh i wouldn't have ever necessarily linked the the actions that you're having to like this thought that this wouldn't connect so i think it's helpful to understand others as well so as coaches i think it's really really cool practice. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I still remember I had a coworker in the past, um, that's like, I would be there doing my thing. I was a clinic director and I was doing my thing. And then she would always come in in the morning and be like, how's your night? Like, how's your, how's your morning? <laughs> and in my head, I'm just like, I'm trying to work. But I like, after kind of going through some of that, I just realized I'm like, this is her personality. We just need to like, she needs a couple minutes to connect in the morning and yeah. we're good to go. That's even like boils down to like love language stuff. She just oh, wants yeah. to like, you know, that personal time, you know, or like uh, words of affirmation type of deal. It's like, okay, like, we'll just do this and then we'll get through it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh my gosh. So true. All right. Let's dive in to the OCR club that you've created. Yeah. What's about that? So the obstacle racing, uh, uh, wait, what was it? The Obstacle Racing Collaboration, <laughs> aka Torque. We just call it Torque, T-O-R-C. It's basically a group of athletes. We're kind of at the level of, of where I am. So like, we didn't talk too much of uh, like how I kind of place it in athletics here. I'm, I'm kind of on the fringe of any type of like podium at like a U.S. National Series race. Like if I go, I, I've gotten top 10 before. I got top 10 in the series, but I'd never really have made that huge jump into that next level. And the the athletes who do get most of the recognition and most of the support, they're obviously the ones who are consistently getting in like, you know, the top three who are winning the races, the top five, maybe. Um, but there's just really not that much support for the athletes in this sport right now. And like, there's a ton of reasons for that. And mostly it's just cause there's not like that many eyeballs on the sport. And like there's so therefore the advertisers don't not, don't necessarily see value in it. So therefore there's not going to be sponsors that are going to come in and, and back, um, the athletes themselves, because there's going to be a hard return on investment, right? To boil it down at its most basic level. So f- trying to get that support for athletes 
So hold on. So the, looking at it, I figure the best way that as athletes, we can help this sport grow is by getting better performance. And the way to get better performance, the athletes at the top, they're getting a lot, a lot of that support financially, or just, uh, you know, building out their profile, giving them more of uh, a platform to kind of stand on, uh, to help themselves and to help them get better results. Right. So the, the athletes underneath them, like myself and the 14 other athletes who are in torque, we don't necessarily get those. And so the best way that I figured we could get better results as athletes across the board is to help support each other. And it's like, and we all have this different experience level that can really help build each other up. Um, whether it is just as simple as like going over a race map or, or talking about like different strategies for the race or talking about like different workouts that we can do and just kind of like banding together is the best way that best and most simple way that we can kind of get good results as athletes, because I think that this sport has tremendous value and all the people in it are doing it for a reason because they, it makes them feel good or it makes them feel like they're being a good example or it helps them do things that they never thought they could do before. Right. And as athletes, we should want to keep this going and we should want it to continue to grow and expand and, the best way we can do that is through results and pushing those athletes who are at the top. And so I figure that's just kind of the best way to do it. So it's basically just a group of athletes who are kind of really helping each other out. Um, it's in much in line with the, like in the endurance world, like Bowerman track club or Northern Arizona elite or Hanson's elite. They're all kind of these clubs that exist to train and live together and, and, and they get the best results. So they're kind of like semi pro team. So that was kind of the idea behind it. And, um, it's just getting started. So everything has been pretty good so far. People are getting good results, but it's just a matter of like trying to build this, these, the profile up of these athletes who are within the team right now. Awesome. What can kind of people do to help promote all that? Yeah, it's, it's really just like having interest, like, and following the team along, asking the team questions and just hopefully we can, us as team can make more compelling stories within the races. Right. So like knowing more athletes will give them more of a reason to watch the races and to follow the results. So, and having an interest in the people who are running the race will then make you want to see how they do. Um, so just following along, honestly, like they're, um, on my podcast feed, the reinforced running podcast, there's a, a on the later shows in the week are just called torque talks where it's generally featuring an athlete in the, in on the team. It is doing like race recaps or we're doing like map previews or just talking about who the athletes are in general. Um, there's also a YouTube channel just to kind of get to know the athletes a little bit more. And on social media is the, the best place to kind of find us. So just kind of following along right now. And it's just because really what we need, we need to work first, you know, like no one's going to care about this club. If like, they're not, if we're not getting good results, you know, so it needs to work. Every athlete in it needs to get awesome results. And if that happens, then people are naturally going to start caring. And if we could tell the story about who the athletes are behind the, the performance, that's really what's going to help things kind of grow. So I think that that's the biggest thing. And, and, and also trying to follow like the athletes beyond just like, you know, Spartan, uh, because that seems to be like the biggest way that athletes are, are being, being seen now is through Spartan race. And, you know, we're going to make it a point to go to different races and to be seen other places and try to help build out performances and help the competition beyond just what like the traditional pathways are right now. That's awesome. I think Lily is moving down to my area later this year, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. She's supposed to, is she going to be close to you? I think so. If I remember right. Um, I think she's, 
I thought it was still the Phoenix area and in the little suburb, not too far from where I'm at. So I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And athletes like her are a great example where she, Lily Elkin is a younger athlete. I think she just turned 21. Um, she unfortunately has had a foot surgery earlier this year, but she was a two-time age group world champion and finished fifth in her only U S national series race in the elite category in Jacksonville in 2020. Um, so it's like, she's like just there. She's a budding elite, right? Um, other athletes like Lauren Longfield, who many might not know, cause she just got into uh, racing in 2019, but she's an absolute workhorse. As soon as there's ultra races that are going to be out there, like she's going to be in it and people are going to be like, I don't know who this person is. And she's going to compete with legitimately the top people. And then like other athletes, we have like Mark Audette, who was top 10 in a lot of US national series races. Uh, Logan uh, Broadbent, who was third at Jacksonville. Um, Josh Reed, who's going to be the same as like Lauren Longfield. Like as soon as he gets out into these ultra events, he's going to do fantastic. Like Jamie Bruce had just got third in uh, the Montana super. So I can go on and on, but they're all athletes who like, you've probably seen the name, but you don't know much about them. So like, just want to like, give them a voice and, and push it out there for them. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, for anyone listening who hasn't heard Lily's, I don't remember what episode number it is, but go back in the feed a little bit. And I have had her on my podcast a while back. These, these podcast things are easy. Just type in Lily and you'll find it. <laughs> you'll find it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Rich, thank you so much for your time today. Before we go, where can people find you, the podcast, the collaboration? Totally. Yeah. So the podcast, so basically reinforced running it at, on all platforms, whether it's YouTube podcast, um, my Instagram handles reinforced running, rich reinforced running.com. Uh, check that out for some different blog articles, some, some giveaways and, uh, some different content there. So I'm, I'm on a lot of platforms. The best place to shoot me a message or anything is probably Instagram is where I'm, I spend most of the time, but podcast comes out every week, usually two episodes every week. So you can always check that out as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. It was great talking with you. Cool. Thank you, Brian. And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance, where you can both join your OCR tribe as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer a more resilient racer, and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.